0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Grammarly. Today, people are working to innovate and do more in their workday's. But coming up with fresh ideas and quick responses can be tough. Introducing Grammarly Go, a product offering personalized generative AI communication assistance that will change the way you write. With just a few clicks, Grammarly Go can ideate, compose, and rewrite thoughtfully, accelerating your productivity and unlocking your creativity.
2: Go to Grammarly.com go.
3: Happy Friday, everyone, from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm Robin Hilton. I am here with WBEZ and Vocalo Radio's Ayana Contreras. Hey, Robin. Contributor Serena Turos.
1: Hey, Robin.
3: And editorial director for member station WRTI, Nate Chenin. Hey, Robin. It's New Music Friday, and we're looking at the best releases out now on February 3rd, starting with the artist known as Simmel. His new album is called The Day My Father Died. This is the song Chariot.
2: Talk to
0: So Semmel is interesting uh, for me because I wasn't really familiar with the project or his previous project, Barcelona. But when I was listening to the music, the first thing that struck me was, I wonder if this person loves Jesus. And I know that sounds really (laughs) weird, but I was getting real like contemporary Christian vibes come to find out. Yes, initially, you know, when he was earlier, when he had put out music, he was marketed as Christian. But he feels like this approach to music is more truthful of his experiences, capturing love and loss here on Earth more. But then I mention that because a lot of the music does actually have sort of a devotional feel, especially howling. to me feels like a really groovy modern devotional hymn to like earthly love. He also deals with the death of his adopted father in in the album. There's just like a lot of emotion and a lot of I've actually heard sort of a postmodern Beach Boys homage type vibe on some of the records like Baby Don't Lie in particular. It's just a really lovely beautiful album.
4: Well I did not go to that worshipful devotional place, but it makes perfect sense. What I was thinking about was this sort of melange of comparisons that come to mind as I listen to this album. There are some Bon Iver kind of moments. There are moments that remind me of the Fleet Foxes. Mm. Um, And I know that um, Simmel has actually collaborated a bit with Sarah Watkins. And what you said, Ayana, about the churchiness of it reminds me of something that Sarah Watkins has said about the success of Nickel Creek and this sort of whole movement of voices raised, you know, together in sing-alongs. She said, you know, this is something that we used to have as a society in church, and that has kind of eroded in the culture. And so in a certain way, this movement of, you know, folk rock or whatever you want to call it has picked up that mantle. I don't feel like I have a clear enough bead on what Simmel does that is uniquely his. Like to me, it still feels a little bit like it's in formation, but it's really, it's really beautiful, and uh, I think at times quite moving.
1: Yeah, I was really struck by the sense of community in this album. I mean, there are collaborators everywhere, like Lucius, who uh, they were just on the Margot Price album that we reviewed last month, and you know Sarah Watkins does actually show up on a song called "Better Part of Me." as well as I, I freaked out when I heard Guy Garvey, who's the lead singer of Elbow, which is a band I love.
2: I wish I was truly free Like a bird at the mercy of a breeze Just trusting in the soul There like a morn
1: And I really think, like, maybe to tie it all together, that, you know, if you don't find space for yourself in worship communities anymore, he has really built himself this community of collaborators and has found maybe love and acceptance inside of them.
0: That's an excellent point. Yeah, I did feel like it was sort of a Christian expat record, you know. (laughs) uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) The title cut was oddly euphoric to me the day my father died. And there was a bit of a disconnect at first sonically for me, but then you listen to it and it's really all about how he wants Simmel to live his life to the fullest and, you know, be filled with love and to care for his family. And he just wants a good life, you know, a life that's worth celebrating. And I found that really moving. The artist known as Simmel, and that's S-Y-M-L, Simmel. His new album is called The Day My Father Died. Also out now on February 3rd is the debut full-length from the British singer Ray. It's called My 21st Century Blues. This is the song. Thrill is gone.
2: Card games and heart games. I said, Let's play, I should know better. My boy ain't my boy, but I call him that because it feels better. Court case last Monday, but he bust trials, so I feel better. Painkillers and codeine, I got stomach cramps under my sweater. Dark words from his dark mind, and his dark stains under my eyes. I'm scared when I look at him, and I don't know why I'm surprised. Silk sheets, and I'm crying in them, and I'm staying here when I should go. I'm scared if I leave, and I'll never come back. So I step slow. Say something nice to me. Say something nice to me. I know that I.
1: Yeah, Ray is this 24-year-old South Londoner, and she's kind of blown up in the last year with this song on TikTok that she's done with, 07 O'Shake, called Escapism, which has really kind of played into this this new TikTok trend of speeding up songs. She has been in the music industry for almost a decade now and this debut album is really a long time coming. She has spoken out pretty candidly about being locked into a record deal at a very young age and just being brand tested and repackaged and repackaged and told that she was not quite ready yet and sent off to writing camps. She's written for Beyonce, she was on the Lion King album, she's written for Charlie XCX, she's written for all manner of people and I think it's really sad to see somebody whose potential is locked off like this in the the music industry nonsense, but what the result is, is this debut album that is so expansive. You can call her an R&B artist, but really what she's doing here is making, I think, such a compelling case for the cutting edge of what that genre can be. With this omnivorous diet of modern music, I mean, just in the first three full-length tracks... Oscar winning tears, big spotlight theater performance.
2: So I'll take this front row seat. Baby, baby, go get doorhead. Craddles, Oscar, Winland. Teens, popcorn, and ice cream. Baby, baby, go get doorhead. Craddles, Oscar, Winland.
1: Heart Out Here, which she wrote. After she got out of her record label deal, it's almost the opposite of melodic rap, I would say.
2: Uh, on my way, out. said was out, said I was done, look at his face now. Mm, 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 mm. It
1: is a rap song with an R and B background. And she has such an incredible cadence. I think that's what really struck me on this album is that her delivery is so exciting.
4: It definitely feels like she is sort of off the chain, you know, like she mm-hmm. has been pent up and pent up and it, it's it's all ready to blow. The energy, the sheer energy on this album is something to behold. And, and also, as you say, so many ideas rattling around, and so many different approaches. The track that we came in on reminds me of the fact that she spent a couple of years at the Brit school, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, man, what is the curriculum like at the Brit school? She was only there for a minute, but I feel like she picked right. up a few things there. Along with all these other experiences that she's had, collaborating with artists, developing her own thing, running up against a wall, like all of it is fodder for what she's putting together here.
1: I mean even just thematically the range of subjects that she's tackling she's talking about addiction and drinking she's talking about climate change on the song environmental anxiety and she's talking about you know sexual assault on a song like Ice Cream Man which is this big indictment of you know culture in the music industry where you know women are expected to put out to be able to put in the room but I think her attitude really is so clear to me and ties it all together. Her personality is huge. She is kind of this person that's like, you can't stump me out. I'm coming back.
3: Ray is the singer. Her debut album out now is called My 21st Century Blues. And we're going to completely switch gears now and go to a new one from the jazz artist Joe Chambers. His album is called Dance Cobina. This is the song Gazelle Suite.
4: As you said, Robin, this is something completely different, and not just for genre reasons. Joe Chambers is 80 years old. 80 years young. 80 years young. (laughs) Well, you you hear that track and you hear the youth. But there's there's another thing, which is that he is on this album working in this small group, uh, sort of jazz, whatever you want to call it, post-bop tradition, that he really helped to put together in the first place. This is a man who played on some of the most important albums of the 1960s, people like Bobby Hutcherson, who was a really close collaborator, Joe Henderson. And Joe Chambers, the the more I listen to him, he's really incredible because he was able to handle the sort of fracturing of form that happened in jazz around that time. He could play straight, he could swing, he could go completely out into the cosmos. On this album, you have a kind of focusing of this idea of the sort of diasporic Black musical tradition through all these different cultures. And so, this piece that we've heard here, Gazelle Suite, is one of his compositions, and he's thinking about a Pan-African aesthetic. But I want to I want to call out this moment on this track where it goes from this kind of polyrhythmic African-inspired uh, rhythm and it breaks into a cruising 4-4 minor blues with a tip and ride cymbal and a walking bass. That is like deep soul satisfaction. And when I was thinking about analogies for what he's doing here, this is kind of weird. Hang with me here. I thought about Robert De Niro in The Irishman because you have Can you have a performance. On. You have a performance by someone who is just is just such a master and has been doing this for so long, and is returning to a story or a, a form that he helped create in the first place, and he's doing mm. it with all of the wisdom that he's accumulated.
0: Yeah, and this album in, in particular, there were so many reimaginings of things that he had recorded multiple times. For instance, when I heard uh, H- Caravanserai which I th- was originally recorded on uh, Max Roach's and Boom, which was which Chambers was a part of, but then also he revisited on a 1999 album, "Mirrors." It's interesting to see an artist revisit his compositions and still have so much to say about those compositions.
3: Joe Chambers, the drummer, vibraphonist, composer, his new album is called Dance Kobina. We do have a few more records that we want to highlight for you this week, but first we need to take a short break.
0: Black Twitter, a people's history, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu.
3: These days, news comes at you fast. But the truth? Getting there takes time. There's something that hasn't been disclosed yet. Embedded is a podcast that takes the time to look beyond the headlines. How how did this happen? How did we get here? With original documentary storytelling. Listen to NPR's Embedded wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The day's top headlines, local stories from your community, your next podcast binge listen. You can have it all in one place. Your pocket. Download the NPR app today.
4: Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news.
0: I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there and you can identify
4: with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.
3: It's New Music Friday from NPR and All Songs Considered. I'm Robin Hilton. I'm here with Ayana Contreras, Serena Turos, and Nate Chinin. We're looking at the best albums out now on February 3rd. We start the second half of the show off with the band Young Fathers. Their new one is called Heavy Heavy. This is the song Geronimo.
2: the sound of the dollar and pound get your elbows off the table see the hell on earth breathe in like a lion breathe out like a lion legacies before the side the wicked
3: and nobody so many of their songs have this incredible build to them so i want to jump ahead a little bit here in this one so you can hear where it goes yeah.
0: I'm late to the game with Young Fathers, I think I was originally in tune with them with Cocoa Sugar, which was like kind of their super breakthrough and was uh, very critically acclaimed at the time that it came out. One of the things I appreciate about Young Fathers is they create kind of catchy music that's at the same time, sometimes deeply disturbing. I Mm -hmm. think the, the dissonance of that, the cognitive dissonance of that is something I enjoy a lot. I also enjoy that they're able to pull from a lot of bags and still be very coherent in what they are trying to do. So, like, there's a song called I Saw, which is like this rowdy glam rock kind of romp.
2: I want your shield. I want your weapon. Give me that bulletproof.
0: which, I mean, I'm team glam rock. Like, not (laughs) 80s glam rock, but 70s glam rock. That's my jam. So, you know, they pull a colossal pipe organ move on, on Tell Somebody. Again, talking about sort of these big cathedral moments in music. And then they have, you know, they're also bringing in this sort of characteristically cosmopolitan vibe. You know, they've got two Afro-Scottish folks in the band. One of the, the songs actually has lyrics in Yoruba, another one in Zulu, in addition to English. So they're pulling from a lot of different spaces and places to express what they're trying to do.
4: I'm going to out myself and my very formative time in post-9-11 downtown New York. But this album, to me, on first listen, I was, like, transported to those years when it was all about TV on the radio for me. Yeah, I felt Um, the same. You know, there's grandeur, there's grittiness. There is that unsettling yet elevating sensibility. It's You know, it it prompts surrender. And Mm -hmm. everything is, like
3: vibrating and yeah. buzzing yeah. and careening together and shimmering at the same time.
4: So, so you know, shout out to the to the old school Dave Sittek production thing. But, you know, it's, it's unfair to put young fathers in that box, especially when you think about the sort of superficial similarities vocally. You know, it's like all those buttons were being pushed for me and it felt good. It was like, man, I, I have missed this sound, you know. Yeah. But then I wanted to be sure to give them Sort of their own airspace. So I listened again with tuning out my own resonances. And then I was able to really come around to what they're doing and, and especially the cultural perspective they bring, you know, from the sort of British black diaspora and, and thinking about the, as, you know, Ayana, you mentioned cosmopolitanism. Like that's definitely a big part of this. But they're intent on synthesizing it in a way that feels raw.
1: I think it's amazing that we each kind of heard different things in this album, because I actually heard a lot of influence of Depeche Mode, which I think Hmm. is everywhere these days. I think the Weekend album last year, I was like,
3: that's all Depeche Mode, baby. Young Fathers, the album is called Heavy, Heavy and completely shifting gears again. Let's go to the country singer Shania Twain. She is back with her first new album in six years. It's called Queen of Me. This is the song Pretty Liar. (laughs) Liar.
1: it's actually really interesting to think about Shania Twain and this new album in conversation with Ray. These are two women in the music industry at opposite ends of, or different chapters of their career. And they've both kind of experienced something similar where when I think about all of these women I loved in music when I was growing up and looking back and thinking like, where did they go? Like, what happened? It's always the case of they got married, or they had a kid, or they got divorced, and it turns out that all three of those things happened to Shania Twain, in addition to the fact that she developed this condition called dysphonia, which is where your voice becomes coarse and it gets a lot harder for you to sing with the same amount of power. And so this happened around 2008, and she really kind of dropped off. Her last big major album was in 2002 with Up, and she took this 15-year-long break. She had a throat surgery in 2019 to hopefully fix her voice. And I think the freedom and confidence that came with having that health problem fixed is all over this album. And that she really took those trials of those years of not being sure if her career was going to be feasible and turned it into this really uplifting album.
4: Yeah, it's just great to hear her voice again. Mm -hmm. Always. Every Christmas, my kids, my family plays the Michael Buble Christmas album. And there's a Mm -hmm. there's a, you know, a verse that Shania sings on one of the songs. And it's like every time you hear her, you you just perk up. This is a personal thing. But the issue I have with this album is really just has to do with the pop, the, the nature of this kind of pop production, which is so aggressively processed. I can listen to this album and enjoy it. But after maybe three or four tracks in a row, I begin to feel like I feel when I've been in an environment with like fluorescent lights burning for, for too <laughs> long. I'm just like, you know what? I just need to step outside and get some fresh air and like just take a breather. But that's just my, my personal allergy to, to this kind of Well, like, it, sonic... it is a
3: hyper, hyper polished. I mean, it, yeah. is, it is a it's it's almost sanitized in a way. That that I agree with, but uh, her voice though comes through, yeah. I think, and her and her spirit, and I I think you know if you if you think of this as an album where we get to sort of check back in with Shania Twain and, and see how she's doing, it seems to me like she's in a very good place, and it's clear that she's having a lot of fun on these songs and yeah. and really letting loose.
1: I think it's interesting to think of her as a case study in the evolution of pop music in the last twenty years, because I think she's always been kind of ahead of the curve about what was pushing her genre forward. I mean, she's one of the biggest people when you think about country pop, and the person that allowed, you know, Taylor Swift to cross over from country to pop, like she set that precedent. Although I do understand where you're coming from, Nate. I think it is a little overproduced, but. You know, sometimes your biggest musical legacy is just allowing people to be their fullest selves. And I think there are so many pop artists working today, like Rena Sawayama or Orville Peck, even Harry Styles, who she joined on stage at Coachella last year, who owe a lot to who she is and what she brought to the table. And so, yeah, it's not like as strong of an artistic statement as her stunning run of records in the in the 90s. But I think it is. Like Robin said, kind of good to hear her back again and with a lot of confidence and happy about where she ended up.
3: And I would have guessed Dolly Parton, but apparently Shania Twain's the best-selling female artist in country music history. It's interesting
1: think. because in the
0: 90s, right, like the 90s was sort of a peak of people purchasing music.
4: I mean, it was Shania and like Garth. And I mean, that was oh, right. the era of the arena tour, you know, like the country, <laughs> the country right. arena
3: tour. Shania Twain, her new album is called Queen of Me. And before we wrap this week's show, let's take a minute to go around the table and flag some of our personal favorites out today. Ayana, we'll start with you.
0: So maybe despite myself, the album I'm really interested in this week is the Go Team, the Get Up Sequences Part Two. Something about the Go team that is really compelling is that it can't help but put you in a really good mood, and I don't know that there's a lot of music I listen to that makes me feel just pop tart joyful, you know, <laughs> sugary sweet like let's do this, a little crispy on the edges, but always kind of like hits the spot. That's that's the Go team for me.
4: Nate, the album I'm really excited about is by a saxophonist named James Brandon Lewis. It's called Eye of Eye. So straight fire. This album is just <laughs> right? straight fire. James Brandon Lewis is a tenor saxophonist and composer and band leader, and he's now recording for Anti Records, and uh, really goes there. Like he can definitely hang with the sort of heavy distortion and like the churn of a kind of post-punk energy, and so it's it's avant-garde jazz that also feels in dialogue with a kind of snarling post-punk vibe, and I, I love it. Serena.
1: There's a new EP that came out on February 1st, so still this week, from the Korean hip-hop group Epic High. It's called Strawberry.
4: It's 2023.
3: Yeah. Someone just got canceled. I can hear it through the window. I feel for the man. Have you seen all the tweets, though? Got people screaming JFC. Other people saying let's wait and see. Get out the popcorn the world is going full Don't bomb with the lunacy.
1: If we're talking about the turn of the century trailblazers whose influence kind of animates a lot of the popular performers of today, I mean Epik High is right up there. I mean rapper Tablo was on the the BTS band leader RM's album that came out in December. And Strawberry is this deceptively breezy little thing with a lot of personality packed into it. Tableau kind of said that a strawberry is, is fresh, uh, and so this al- this EP sounds fresh, but then when you smash it, it looks like blood, if that is any indication of kind of the darker themes that lurk underneath. So that's Strawberry by Epic High.
3: And I want to highlight a new solo album from Robert Forster. It's called The Candle and the Flame.
2: I don't do drugs I out of time Make a stop everyone to correct mistakes, mistakes of mine to recollect
4: friends of mine
3: robert forster is is best known to some for being in the band the go betweens and the solo album is a collection of songs that are both about and inspired by his wife karen baumler and her battle with ovarian cancer she, she appears on the record their kids appear on the record and when he announced this album on his website he had a quote from his wife with it and she said that when we play music it's the only time i forget i have cancer it's a beautiful record but not remotely sad it's a very determined and a very defiant record the candle and the flame from robert forster and that'll do it for this week's new music friday my thanks to ayana Contreras, serena turos and nate chanin thanks so much everybody
0: thanks thank, thank you. you robin
3: a reminder that if you want to hear full versions of the songs that we played this week, you'll find a complete list of them in the description of this episode in your podcast feed and online at npr.org allsongs all songs. Keep up with the latest from NPR Music, including tiny desks, interviews, new playlists, and more by signing up for our weekly newsletter. You'll find it at npr.org musicnewsletter music newsletter. That's all one word, music newsletter. And for NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Robin Hilton. I hope you have a great weekend. Be well, and treat yourself to lots of music.
0: Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch. And how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln?
2: Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I I just started doing research. uh, But the truth is, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk
0: about that and more on Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR.
4: I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A.